in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God and said, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength be to our God forever. Amen. And in the earlier reading we heard these words. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Thank you so much for inviting me back. It really is a treat to be here. I do like coming to Cairns Road. I've always enjoyed visiting, and on the occasions that I get asked to speak, I I do regard it as a treat, a privilege, and I'm grateful to you. So thank you for that, and on such a significant day for you too. And please be assured of uh, my prayers as you have significant decisions to make about the future life of what is obviously a really important church for you. It is the community that you're part of. But also, Cairns Road is a really significant church for the rest of us who are part of the life of the mission of God in Bristol. And there's a reason for this, not just because we love you, although that's true, but because Cairns Road has been and I know seeks to remain a church which doesn't just resource its own mission, but resources the mission of others. You have been really generous, not just with your money and your prayers, but with your people, with yourselves. You have selflessly sent really good people out from amongst you to be engaged in mission throughout the world, but also in this city. You've freely given up members of this church to help the mission, for example, at Lawrence Weston. And this is great. And this is what the rest of us really need. And your willingness to give in this way so generously and freely is an inspiration to us. So thank you. And I'm, I'm grateful to be allowed to, you know, to, to be a part of the great things that God is doing through you. So lots of us are grateful to you and care about the decisions you make and want to support you in them. And one of the institutions which has lots of reasons to be grateful to uh, Cairns Road is uh, the college that I work for. Because uh, there was a time when, when colleges thought that the best way to train people for ministry was to take them out of the churches that they came from, or indeed out of any churches except on Sundays, and, and keep them all in a little community for three or four years uh, until they the only influences on them were those of the tutors, and then send them back out to the churches after we'd seen them straight. Well, maybe there was something... No, no, no. These days, we realise that perhaps that wasn't always the best method to use, and that actually, if we're shaping people to be pastors of the churches, the churches ought to have a say in that shaping process. So, these days... We train people with lots of, you know, so that they're engaged in lots of placements 
And the placement is as much a part of the learning process, the shaping process, as anything that happens in college. We're partners in doing something together. It's a much better model, and CAMS has been a great partner for the college in providing placements for lots of students, and also providing the college with lots of students, for which we've been really grateful. Um, in recent years, there, there's been Mary Clark, and Helen Painter, and Johnny Hurst, and Mackie. There's been Bucky Beecher, so it's been great. But uh, the last two of these, Mackie and, uh, and uh, Mary, are leaving this year, so come on, we need some more from you. We've been really grateful to have them, and they've changed us just as we hope we've played a role in shaping them. Um, and I'll let you into a secret. One of the regional ministers in the north of England took me to one side the other day, and he said, do you know what? He said, I think that the students coming out of Bristol are the best equipped out of any of the colleges. And I thought this was really nice. But I think, I think the reason he said this was because of one particular individual who'd gone to the north. And that was Johnny Hurst. And he's who he is because of the place that Cairns Road was for him. So thank you for preparing somebody who's helped our reputation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really good of you. And there are others too. So that's all by way of saying saying thank you. So pondering these things about the, the place of churches in, in the learning experience for students, I thought I'd, I'd think about the place of churches in the learning experience of all of us. And that's why I've given the talk the title that it has, A School for Saints. I don't, the word saints, I know, carries all kinds of connotations of, of, of uh, plastic models and candles and things that glow in the dark. But the Bible uses the word saint simply as a way of talking about the people of God. It means those who are, who are holy, who've been made holy by God through Jesus Christ. So we are all, I trust, saints. It's not a a special title that other churches give to people. It is something that God makes us. And through his church, we're enabled to be that better. We learn, if the church is a community of disciples, we learn from one another how to be better and better at being disciples of Jesus. We learn from one another, as well as from the scriptures and from our own prayers, how to follow Jesus better. And this example of people coming to the front and telling us what's going on at work really helps all of us to think, how am I going to be more effective as a disciple? And what an encouragement to have a student write a song like the one we heard. That was just so moving and really encouraging to see how our being a disciple can encourage others to become disciples of the Lord Jesus, which, after all, is what we're about. So... Thank you. The Bible gives us lots of ways to look at the church, and you'll be familiar with all of them. Sometimes it talks about the church as God's temple, or as a household, or as the body of Christ. Uh, but there are other ways to look at the church that the Bible hints at. 
uh, one is uh, these get picked up by different Christian traditions which understand the church in a particular way. Uh, one that the, the Eastern Church has suggested to us is to understand the church as a, a hospital for the soul. And I have to say the idea of the church as a place where we can be helped to come to the physician Jesus who binds up the brokenhearted, who, who heals us and sets us out again on a journey of wholeness, seems to me to be a really helpful one. And there have been times in my own experience when the church has been that for me. I've been battered and bruised and I've needed a hospital. And the church has been that. And perhaps it's been that for you at times. We can't, we can't stay a hospital alone, but it, is, it seems to be a good model, a good picture of what the church can be for us. And another one that is suggested for us is one that we're looking at today, the idea of the church as a school for the saints. And if that is right, that we should understand the church that way, then it seems to me that we all have something great to look forward to. Because if you go to, uh, if you go to college, then eventually you get the joy of the graduation party. Yeah? If, you, if you look at your, your news sheet today, you'll see that somebody has very carefully chosen a picture of a graduation party. You know, like I've picked one that, like they do in the States. You've probably seen the movies where all, they all finish the third year of high school and they, they get dressed up and graduated. They get their qualification, they're all dressed up in their garb, and they celebrate by taking their mortarboards off their heads and throwing them into the air. Yeah? And it says, we've done, we've finished, we've worked hard, and we've been accepted. And when you have a, a graduation party of that kind, the idea is that those who qualified get some fresh letters after their name. And so they become, their name is slightly different from it was before. But at God's graduation party, the one we heard about in the book of Revelation, when those who've made it through celebrate before God and the Lamb, the letters, saint, get put in front of your name. And that's the difference. Those who, who get through that graduation party belong to God and get little ST put before. You can practice it. You can be St. <laughs> Dave, St. Peter, St. all of you. Because even now, we have the beginnings of enjoying that future experience, that graduation party that lies in the future. So that's the idea. We are getting ready to celebrate before God by following his path of discipleship now. Only this, this graduation party doesn't celebrate academic achievement. And while the college itself, while it's really pleased when people turn out to be really good at theology, although when they're better than I am, like Helen is, <coughs> it gives me some trouble... We're interested in whether people are disciples of Jesus and are good at helping other people be disciples. That's what matters to us, and that's what we're training them for. Not so that they're good at writing essays, but so that they're good at being a disciple and making other people into disciples and nurturing those people to be disciples. That's Christian ministry. It's a task of the whole church. It's something that we're excited about. And so you've got all these people from every part of the world Imagine it, all stood before God's throne, all celebrating together. 
all still clearly different, but all united in praise of God. What a wonderful picture of who we're called to be and what the church is called to be. So, with all that to look forward to, and there is a sense in which that's already going on in heaven. And do you remember that, that bit of, uh, of Hebrews where the writer talks about the cloud of witnesses who are there? And I used to worry about that text because I used to think it meant that there were people in heaven who were keeping a close eye on me so that they could be witnesses against me if I did anything wrong, which was a lot. Still is. But in fact, the idea of the cloud of witnesses is that these are people who've made it through the journey of faith and discipleship who are now basically your cheerleaders. They're there to, you know, the thought of them, the saints of the past, is there to encourage you now, to cheer us on when we face difficulties and hardships. When it's tough to be a disciple of Jesus, they're there to inspire and to help. So, people of all saints, shapes and sizes to encourage us and one day we'll be a part of that crowd. Okay, now, of course you have to have some classes if you're going to have a school. And my first suggestion is that although that huge crowd in Revelation is anonymous, we're not told the names of anybody there. The truth is, we know quite a lot of the names. There are people who've gone before us, some of whom are our heroes, we read their stories, we know about them, and they are our graduate class. They've graduated, and their stories teach us. Now, you may have some people who've been really significant for you, whose stories inspire you. And there, in that crowd, in the book of Revelation, they're there, especially who are they and how do they inspire you? Has anybody got any heroes who might be in that crowd? Any names for me? Tyndale, the translator of the Bible, the first to translate it into English out of the original tongue, and uh, as a result, died. He was martyred for that, wasn't he? And there's a monument that you can visit out in Gloucestershire by memory search. You can still climb to the top and get fantastic views across the countryside. William Tyndale, one of the great heroes because he wanted to put the scriptures in language that we could understand into the hands of everybody. He wanted to say, there's one people of God, they are all entitled to be disciples and to learn what it means to follow Jesus. What a great... Thanks, Rob. Terrific. Anybody else? Smith Wigglesworth. Okay, because... Because he was a man of faith. And what did he do because he was a man of faith? Hmm? So this is an uneducated person who had a ministry of healing because he followed Jesus. Fantastic. Thank you. And he'll be there. Who else we got? T.T. Studd, now a great missionary figure and cricketer, if my memory serves. 
and Africa. Fantastic. So, missionary heroes, people who left everything, all the glittering prizes that great education and sporting excellence could offer them, in order to follow Jesus to the really tough places of the world. These are our heroes, and these are the people who are in, who deliver the graduate class when we read about their stories and learn from them how to follow Jesus. Any more? You'll have to... Okay, you're going to have to tell me about this person. Oh, right. Fantastic. Because the saints are, are, are local as well as nationally known. Thank you. I've got some, just in case you hadn't, I, I knew, kept being Cairns, I was fairly confident you'd come up with lots of thoughts. But I've got Elizabeth Fry, the, uh, the Quaker minister who was a prison reformer in the uh, 18th and 19th century, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the theologian who was imprisoned by the Nazis because of his resistance to them. Martin Luther King, great Baptist minister who led the civil rights movement in the 60s in the States. And I'm sure you've got lots of examples of your own. The point is, all these stories are there to encourage us now to be the people of God. So that's graduate school. But in the School of Saints, we don't just have graduate school. We also have, as has been hinted at already... We have community learning. Because in church, we're a learning community and we learn in all kinds of ways from all kinds of people. Now, obviously, lots of stuff, Bible class and sermons sometimes and, and Sunday schools, all set up for teaching and learning. But sometimes I think that the best learning, the most important learning in church goes on simply from the example that we all set to one another or failed to. And I remember when I was a fairly new Christian in Battersea, uh, I had a friend, uh, some friends I used to drive home after the young people's meeting on a Sunday night, and we drop, I dropped one of the young women uh, where her parents were having coffee with some other people in there, or the age I am now, from the church. And as I, we dropped her there, and as I drove away with my other friend, my other friend used to say, I hope I'm like that, meaning the parents, when I'm their age. In other words, they were kind of role models for us. We were from non-Christian families. We didn't know what it, how to be Christians in our 20s, although we were learning that. We certainly didn't know what it was going to mean in our 40s and 50s. But the older people in the church taught us that by their example, just as the retired people in the church taught us what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in retirement. We learn from one another. And mostly, and hopefully, we learn positive things from one another about how to do it. Not that we copy each other slavishly, but we learn. Sometimes in church, not at Cairns Road, obviously, but in other churches, people rub each other up the wrong way. And then we learn what not to do. And that also teaches us. And God teaches us a great deal from the people that we struggle with. I learned a great deal from my, from my granddad. My granddad was a man of many virtues. 
but some serious vices as well. And in particular, he didn't know how to be wrong. <laughs> On one occasion, uh, he and uh, my grandmother, and they are my, their daughter, my aunt, and my, and, their, and my aunt's daughter, who was a baby, were on their way to visit his brother, who uh, lived in North London. So they'd gone from South London into North London. Yes, this is the Italian family, so this may give some of the game away. And they're on their way, and they, they get, they're on the bus, getting towards the, the somewhere near Hampstead, where uh, my uncle, who was a wine waiter at the Savoy, lived. And uh, they have to get off the bus, and then they have to cross the big road on the bridge. It's a rainy day, it's filthy weather, and my aunt's got the young baby with her. And the old man, bless him, says, we don't get off at this stop, we get off at the next one. My grandmother and my aunt both know full well that this is the stop they have to get off at if they're going to walk over the bridge. And normally they do what the old man says, but because it's just a cold, windy day, they think we can't cope with him having to be right. We're going to get off the bus now, and he stubbornly stays on the bus when the others have got off. They walk up to the bridge, cross over, and get to my uncle's house quickly. He stays on the bus, has to walk quite a long way back to the bridge in the freezing cold and the rain, crosses the bridge, arrives there, there in the warm. He's taken several minutes. He's much wetter and much colder than they are. He walks in and he says, they've moved the bridge. <laughs> Learn how to be wrong. No? Church. When others listen to the, what people around you are saying and don't believe that you're so right always that you can't learn from other people because we're all lifelong learners in the people of God. And we learn from one another positively and just occasionally negative lessons. So please, let there be community learning in the people of God. Finally, in the people of God, there's the masterclass. And the masterclass is the class delivered by the master, the teacher himself, the Lord Jesus. And, and you heard though some of his words read out for us so helpfully earlier from the Gospel according to Matthew, where Jesus sets out what the characteristics are to be of those who are going to be his disciples. He's telling us who we're supposed to be. When he says, blessed are the merciful, he's not saying, oh, by the way, disciples, those people over there who are merciful, they're going to be blessed. He's saying, this is who you are supposed to be. You are to be these things. Now, these words of Jesus are, are, are enigmatic. They're not easy to follow. They, they repay a lifetimes of study and reflection and meditation. As Jesus says, it is the pure in heart that I want for my friends. It's like saying, not just happy are the peacemakers, but, but yay for them. This is the people we're to get behind. And Jesus delivers his masterclass telling us the characteristics that disciples are to have. 
weigh his word and see what he's saying to you that we might fulfill the last bit of that reading and be the salt and the light that he calls us to be in his word. Jesus delivers us this masterclass in how to be disciples, in how to be saints. And when we read those words as part of his school, we learn from him. But there's more. Because Jesus is not somebody who just gives us words. He is somebody who shows us how it's done. We don't just listen to him. We read his story and see what he did to be somebody fully obedient to the prompting of his Father through the Spirit. And so we see Jesus going around, doing good, healing, but also taking his stand to go to Jerusalem to confront the very centre of evil, to confront those who want to twist God's words and make them oppressive rather than things which set people free. We see Jesus prepared to go into the court of the representative of the emperor himself to confront injustice and to speak for what is right. And then we see him bear the consequences of that, knowing that his obedience to God is going to lead to the dreadful things that we know happened to him, even as he knew that God would vindicate him by raising him from the dead, after he had suffered all of that. And so we see, not just in Jesus' words, but in his actions, the masterclass in how to be obedient to the Father. But hear this, because of who he is, in his obedience, in his obedience, not in ours, there is grace. There is, because of his obedience, because of his faithfulness, because of his willingness to, to be asphyxiated on a Roman cross, there is a space created for all of us to be embraced by God and welcomed into his kingdom so that our status doesn't depend on what we do or how good we are at being followers. It depends entirely on what he has done for us. And it is in response to this astonishing love that we've been shown that we too seek to follow. So, this means that when we get it wrong, we know that the grace continues to extend for us. So if you're in school and you were like me, then this was back in the day when we had exercise books. I don't know how things are done these days. But in school, I would get little, little crosses all down the side, which, which meant that things were wrong. And in the School of Saints, there are plenty of crosses down the side of the page where I'm concerned, telling me where I've got things wrong, as I'm sure there are for many of us. But the point of this is that God, because of Jesus, keeps forgiving us, keeps wiping away those crosses, picks us up, dusts us down, encourages us, calls on the choir to sing some more to encourage us, to urge us on our way. And so, be encouraged to continue to be 
part of this fantastic school of saints in which the Lord Jesus gives a masterclass. So, there are lots of ways to understand the church. But one of them is to see it as a school of saints in which there is a fantastic graduation party to look forward to. Hold on to that thought. Is that really, and who are already there singing to encourage you? So that's a great thought to hold on to. And then there's a graduate class, the stories that inspire us. Then there's community learning that we do together. Most of all, there's the master class where Jesus teaches us and then gives us an example of how it's done, the example which enables even us to follow. That's the school of saints. I trust that we will all continue to seek to be a part of it. James Rose, may God bless you.